I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles or otherwise your attention to the screen. This morning, a couple of passages. The first one is taken from Ephesians. And as I mentioned last week, we are starting a new series this morning. And in keeping with that series, uh, we have a theme verse, and that's the one found here that we'll read first from Ephesians 3, verses uh, 16 and the first part of 17. And Paul writes, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I also noted if you... uh, attended the Q&A a couple of weeks ago. And we have a little booklet, and I'm going to invite you to pick up a copy. there on the Welcome Center back there. Uh, pick up a copy. If we uh, run out, we will have more by next Sunday. And there is also a, a children's edition, and if you ask there at the counter, um, they would be happy to give you a children's edition as well. So... Make sure you take advantage of that on your way out. And then specifically for this morning, I'd like to invite you to turn with me into the last book of the Bible, to the book of Revelation, to the third chapter. And uh, John, the apostle who writes this, uh, had a vision and he saw seven churches. The church at Laodicea is the last church. It's found in verse 14 of that third chapter. And this is what John writes. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears to hear, Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The Nazis imprisoned Viktor Frankl. He was a brilliant doctor, but he was placed in a concentration camp. They took his livelihood, they confiscated his possessions, They mocked his dignity, and they killed his family. They locked him in a cell with no way out. A room without a door is a prison. 
But he found a door his prison guards didn't know about. He would write, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Frankel discovered doors are not merely physical. Every door is a choice. He found that when circumstances seem to close every outer door, they reveal doors that matter far more, doors through which the soul can, can leave fear and enter courage, can leave hatred and enter forgiveness, can leave ignorance and enter learning, can leave self and enter community. He discovered his guards were far more imprisoned by their cruel ignorance, by their foolish obedience to barbarianism than he was within the walls and the barbed wire. Some people learn this and are forever free. Some never do and live as prisoners their entire life. There is always a door. We need to find it and open it. Research, researcher Shana Iyengar found that the average person makes about 70 conscious decisions every single day. Add that all up, that's about 25,550 decisions every single year. Over 70 years, that's 1,788,500 decisions that you and I make. That's a lot of doors. Albert Camus said, life is the sum of all your choices. Choose wisely. So for the next couple of months, we're going to be talking together about the single most important door, the single most important decision, the single most important choice that you can make of all those almost 2 million conscious decisions that people make. That is, which is the one door you really need to open? 60 years ago, Bob Munger a pastor and the professor of evangelism at Fuller Theological Seminary wrote a little essay entitled, My Heart, Christ's Home. It's a quick read, not all that many pages, but it's not an easy read. It's an invitation to open a door, the single most important door in your life. The little pamphlet has sold over two million copies, excuse me, over 20 million copies. It has impacted tens of millions of lives. And as I mentioned, please pick up a copy for your reading. And while many people would say that this is about opening the door to Jesus as your savior, it's really more about opening the door of your heart to Jesus as Lord. 
Now, the truth is we probably shouldn't have to make distinctions between opening the door to Jesus as Savior and opening the door to Jesus as Lord because in reality they are two sides of the very same coin. But the truth is people like to make that particular distinction, so we will talk about it. There are many people that would love for Jesus just to save them, just to give them the ticket so they can get into heaven and have a wonderful eternity, but they really don't want to submit their life to Jesus as Lord here, and now they want to maintain control. They want to make some of the choices themselves. They want to do it their way. So ultimately, it's a decision about ownership. Who or what rules your life? And if you profess to be a follower of Jesus, are you willing to pay the price, because it comes with a cost, are you willing to pay the price of discipleship? The truth is, there is one fundamental conscious decision that you need to make. One door that you need to deal with, that everyone needs to deal with, and it's the door to your heart. And Jesus is knocking on it. In his little booklet, Munger takes us into our heart, room by room, into the nursery, into the study, into the living room, into the dining room, into the workroom, into the rec room, into the bedroom, into the hall closet, so that we get a little glimpse of what Jesus requires of us in our life and in our heart from every single room. We get a lot of invitations. I get a lot of invitations for the latest credit card. For weddings, not so much. But showers, not so much. But for birthday parties, for graduation open houses, for lunch, for coffee, to tag along with a son or a grandson, or for retirement planning. Or maybe that's just me, but we all get invitations. Mostly we enjoy getting those invitations because an invitation means that somebody is thinking about us. Somebody likes us. Somebody would like us to be included, to be with them. And it means we're loved. So now Jesus invites us to ask him into our heart, into the center of our very being, to be part of our life. Paul writes, May God strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in you, in your heart through faith. Weymouth translates that as, may Christ settle down and be at home in your heart by faith. So Jesus wants to take up residence in our life and he offers to come into our heart and to do some renovating, some changes, if you will, perhaps an extreme makeover, but... He wants to make our heart his home. Sadly, in the busyness, in the clutter, in the distractions of life, he often finds us unresponsive to his offer, maybe totally ignoring it or declining. Invitations often include four letters, R, S, V, P, respondu, s'il vous plaît. French for please respond. 
It means a response is necessary. It, remain, it means a response is expected. And Christ's invitation to us requires a response as well. And the truth is we often put it off. We say, I'll do that when I'm a little older. We'll say that we'll do that when we're a little less busy. I want to get financially set first, Lord. Then we'll have that conversation. Maybe at a time, Lord, when I'm a little bit more interested. But the truth is every invitation has a deadline, including this one. Don't let this invitation's deadline pass. It is the most important decision you can ever make. Our God is a God of invitations. John, in his vision, saw he stands at the door and he knocks. But this, it's not the last invitation in the Bible. It's not the first one either. Genesis 7, the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and your whole family. I have found you righteous in this generation. In numbers, come with us and we will treat you well for the Lord has promised good things to us. In Isaiah, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Isaiah 55, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Even those of you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Matthew 11, Jesus, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew 24, come to the wedding banquet. Luke Come for everything is now ready. John, come, have life and have it more abundantly. Or in John 14, if a man loves me and will keep my word and my father will love him and then he will come to him and make his home with him. Or the last one in the Bible, Revelation 22, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. So for our text, Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat and live with him and he with me. Knocking in this verse means a continuous, ongoing knocking, one that anticipates an answer. Do you ever realize that the knocking seldom occurs when it's convenient? When you sit down to read the paper, knocking. When you go down into the basement, knocking. When you're on the phone, knocking. At inappropriate and inconvenient times, knocking. When you're busy doing something else, Knocking. Doug. Doug. Uh, yes? Did you get my invitation? 
I am inviting myself over. It seems I've been locked out of your life lately, and there is some renovating that needs to be done. Uh, who is it? It's me. Okay. It's you. Yeah, come to think of it, I, I do remember something about you coming to clean and to renovate, but it's really a bad time for me right now. I'm in the middle of preaching the word, your word, as a matter of fact. Maybe, maybe you missed the do not disturb signs on the door. I would really appreciate if you would come back later. My, my house is kind of a mess. I saw the no trespassing and to beware of dog signs, I must have missed the do not disturb sign. Regardless, I'm an expert at messy houses. I specialize in cleaning things up and there is no better time than right now. Actually, I'm the owner of this property. I'm the one who approved the loan. You approved the loan? Thank you. I kind of enjoy this place. You're welcome. So, may I come in? Yeah, kind of like I said, this is, this is really kind of a bad time. I'm, I'm giving a sermon. Perhaps you could come back later when things settle down a little bit. There's, there's really way too much stuff already going on in my life. I'm not sure I can add even one more thing. If you'll let me in, you'll find I'm not just one more thing. In fact, I can help you sort through those things that are less important. Throw old habits away. Get rid of the busyness for busyness sake and give you focus and significance. Let, let me be honest with you. I kind of like things the way they are. I don't really want to change anything. I, I've organized them how I like them. I have certain places where I put certain things in my life, certain priorities, certain activities, and no one knows how to, how to clean up and organize them like me. True. You've done a great job organizing your life the way you like it. But did you ever think, uh, think that if you let me in, you could let go of the burden of having to clean it up all by yourself? I can see the clutter that has been there for so many years that you walk by every day and never even notice. It's all you know life to be, but that doesn't mean that's all the life there is. You'll be amazed at how bright a room can become when I've cleaned it out. You're right. I'll admit it. There's a ton of clutter in my life. I have a lot of great plans and, and good intentions. I just can't seem to get to them. They've all piled up so high that, that they block the sun and, and, yeah, they gather dust. So, may I come in and get started? I don't, I don't really want to hurt your feelings or anything, but, but most, most of the time we seem to get along all right. But, but if I let you in and you, and you start changing things, 
people might think that I've gone off the deep end and, and maybe they think I'm a religious fanatic or, or an extremist. It's not that I don't believe in you, I do. I appreciate it when you come by every now and then, when you provide the, the daily necessities and, and when you come to rescue me in my times of trouble. And since, since I'm a preacher, it looks good for people, especially for the children, to, to see us together every now and then. And it promotes good values. The values are like cut flowers. The values wither and die unless they're rooted in the soil of my presence at the center of, my, of your life. Well, if you promise to just come in and, and to look around and to leave things pretty much the way they are, I'd be willing to RSVP in the affirmative. Yes, I know, but that's not the way it works. <laughs> Why can't it work that way? I mean, other people come by for just a, a few minutes. They come by just to look around, to, to take me as I am, and, and then leave. I don't want to come in just for a few minutes. So what do you want? I want to take up residence. Where you are, that's where I want to be. I'm not really sure what you're talking about. Okay, how about if you walk around to the back, to the, to the back door, to, to the kitchen door? I mean, you could organize my pots and pans. They need organizing. I don't really use the kitchen all that much. I'm not all that much into cooking. You do know I like to eat, but I especially like to eat out. So I don't use it much. Every now and then I get to use the microwave. But if you just wanted to do the pots and pans, that would be okay, since my life really centers in the places like the study and the living room and, and the bedroom. Fact is, I probably wouldn't even hear you banging around. I'd feel a whole lot less guilty knowing that I had just let you in, at least in part. I do really like our relationship. How about if you promised to come in and just stay in the kitchen? We wouldn't even have to bump into each other all that often. If you let me in, I'll be going anywhere and everywhere. Into the kitchen and living room and study and bedroom. Into the hub of your life. I got to say, you're persistent. Is there any chance we could come to a compromise? No. I don't compromise when it comes to loving you completely. I am trying so hard right now to be able to accept your invitation and still continue my life the way I know it and appreciate it. Nice church, nice neighborly connections, somewhat superficial maybe, but pleasant. I serve on a few boards sometime with my wife and kids and, and I love being with my grandkids. Vacation now and then, life has been pretty good. Nothing extreme, nothing earth-shattering, nothing that upsets the balance. Just a little of this and a little of that. You know, a normal, balanced, comfortable life. Sorry, I am not the god of the normal, balanced, comfortable life. I am the god of the abundant life. 
there is no balance. My love for you tips the scale. It crowds out all the other things you might be doing because there is so much of it. I want what is truly best for you, but I can't give it to you unless I first clear out a space. There is a lot of clutter in your heart crowding me out. In fact, I can't even seem to get in the door. Can't you just come right on in? You said it yourself. You own the place. Why all the persistent knocking? Why don't you just walk right in? I could, but it doesn't make much sense to be there if you don't want me there. I want you to open the door to your heart because you love me and you want me there. So I'll keep knocking, hoping you'll invite me in. And then you'll come in and change things. I can be dangerous that way. I'm not safe, but I am good. I always have your best intentions at heart. And you'll come in to stay, to take up residence with me. It's either all or nothing. My love is so big, it requires every nook and cranny of your life. And once I enter, I'll have to throw some stuff out, change some priorities, and move, move a few things around to accommodate my presence. Do you really need to come into every room of my life? I mean, some of my rooms have nothing to do with, with church or praying or Bible study, you know, the kinds of things that interest you. I have places where I research investments, where I play games, where I watch TV, where I exercise, where I surf the web. Things that are about the world and how the world works. I don't, I don't think you'd be all that interested. I know those aren't really your thing. Are you still there? Yes. Yes, the world. I love the world so much, it might surprise you. I actually understand the world and how it works quite well. Now and then, I shake things up so people will think about opening the door to their heart to become my home. That's why I died for the world. That's why I live for the world. That's why I stand at the door and knock for the world. It's why I wait for your RSVP to invite me completely. Okay, okay. If I let you in, and I will, do I get to finish this message? Absolutely. My presence will make your life and your message better. Amen to that. God's knocking. It's almost always an interruption and an inconvenience in our day. But if any one of us needs to answer that knocking and open the door of our heart, we need to invite him in. Every one of us. You see, John talked about the church of Laodicea. 
Laodicea grew rapidly because of its strategic location on trade routes, because of its strategic location for defense, and the church grew. Then according to Revelation 3.20, Jesus came knocking. Jesus. Nearby Thermopolis was famous for their medicinal hot springs. Nearby Colossia, they were known for their cold, running, pure mountain water. But Laodicea, sort of in the middle, had only useless, lukewarm water that was full of minerals that clogged the pipes. And the church was no different. In Laodicea, in their lukewarmness, they ignored the loving knock and the lordship of Jesus Christ. They never did answer. They were never willing to give their whole life to Jesus Christ. And they died. And the church died. So picture with me for just a moment, Jesus at the door, at your door. Jesus is outside. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart and of your life. He longs to come in and take up residence. But look carefully at this well-known picture. Notice there is no doorknob. He has to be let in. That's the way he designed it. He could force his way in. He could bang the door down but he seldom does. Jesus knocking is an invitation to you to let him in. He expects and anticipates an RSVP. Please respond. Your response is expected. It is anticipated. It might also be an acronym for what happens when we answer Jesus knock at our door. We receive the Savior's victory personally. Jesus renovates stuff that is, that is very personal. Jesus restructures our schedules that seem vital and pressing to us. Jesus remodels situations and brings new values and priorities. Jesus longs to take up residence in your and my life to sit on the throne of your and my heart, to rule in every room of our life. Open the door. Accept Christ's invitation. Let him in. Truth is, it will never be convenient. Truth is, it will never be comfortable. But he's going to keep on knocking until you let him in or you die. When Jesus knocks at your door, it's time to get up and answer, to invite him in, and to make your heart his home.